Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 59, volume 59, week 59, number fucking 59. How going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. So this week's guest is Justine from Employed to Serve. That will be coming up later in the show. So normally we start things off with a bit of questions and feedback to kick off the show and this week surprisingly there has been no questions and feedback. So that leads me to this part of the show where I need to remind you guys and need to ask you guys, we really would appreciate and love to make this show not only about us but about you. So to do that, Write into us, send us an email, send us a message on social media, get in touch and let's grow this show more into a community. So that means if you've got some feedback about shows or about guests or about content, get in touch. If you've got questions you want answered on air, get in touch. Whatever you want to do, you can get in touch through the email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. You can get in touch through the social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are at The Mosh Zone. Or you can get in touch through the website, which is www.themoshzone.com. The other thing we need to mention at the start of the show is ratings, reviews, and recommendations. They're invaluable to helping the show grow. Now, we don't get paid for ratings and reviews and recommendations, but what it does is it works together to get our show out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments today or this week, not only spread the word with your friends and family about the show, but get on your service that might be iTunes, it might be Spotify, it might be SoundCloud, wherever it is, subscribe to it. Leave us a rating, one to five, whatever it is, and then leave us a review. Tell us how good we are, tell us how much we suck, whatever it is, write us a review. Now, recommendations, they're done through Facebook. If you go on our Facebook page, you will see a spot there that says, would you recommend this page? Simply, if you've got a moment this week, write a recommendation and give us a rating out of five as well. All of this, guys, is invaluable to helping us grow and become a bigger and better podcast. So enough of my jibber-jabber and my rambling. Let's get on to the part of the show that we're all tuned in for this week. This week, I got to chat with Justine from English Noisemakers Employed to Serve. It was a great opportunity to get to know not only everything about Justine, but also the history of the band along the way, their future album coming out, and all the things she does within the industry. Really, really, really appreciate Justine taking some time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. That chat with Justine is coming up now. Do you remember who the artist was or how old you were when you discovered music was a thing? Not necessarily a heavy artist, but just, you know, was there a band that piqued your interest into music itself? Um, so I came from a very pop background as all like kids do. Um, I think like my first, uh, I think my first moment where I kind of realized, oh, actually music's like my thing was, uh, when the, the Justin Timberlake album Justify came out. Wow. Um, I remember seeing that like music video and I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. And, um, actually this, that album's still one of my favorite albums of all time, funnily enough. Mm. Um, 
Uh, but the only thing is, since he got famous, everyone calls me Justin and not Justine. So uh, <laughs> there's a little bit of hate for him there. But apart from that, I think he's um, he's beautiful and I love his music. So, <laughs> so, so you're but, um, a bit of a pop kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Like um, that and like Black Eyed Peas, like Ellie Funk, like all those kind of albums. Like when um, I was a kid, my family and I used to go ice skating on Friday nights. And, like, they used to just play, like, pop music. Um, and it was just mainly that, like, Michael Jackson, uh, Prince. Like, there's loads of kind of stuff. And obviously that chart stuff. Um, and, yeah, Beyonce. Oh, my God, Destiny's Child as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love all those kind of bands. Like, well, artists, should I say. So, um, but, like, in terms of heavy music, sorry. So what was that? That's quite a transition then to go from that to <laughs> metal. I mean, was there a slow transition or is it like suddenly you heard, you know, like Slipknot or something and then you were like, no, nah, forget all that. I'm into this now. Well, so I, when I was like, like, how old was I? About 13. Um, new metal was like a thing, like a big thing. <laughs> um, it has been since like the early 2000s and I sort of like was like the tail end of that. Um, so kind of what happened there was I sort of like listened to a lot of chart music as you do when you're a kid. Um, and then, uh, yeah, cause like literally I'm probably the only person in my family who's really into music. Um, so I didn't really have the luxury of like having like older siblings who would give me old CDs and stuff. I very much had to find uh, stuff on my own, but, um, on that one. So yeah, like I listened to like kind of destiny's child and stuff like that. And then, Eminem was like a, a really big thing as well, and especially in our school, like because I eight mile had come out, um, and I listened to like loads of him, and then through that I sort of like went into a little segue into things like Linkin Park because I found the Reanimation record. Oh yeah. Um, and then and I like liked the heavier bits, and I was like, oh sick, like so who's this band? Um, and then I started getting into Linkin Park, Limp Biscuit um like and then i guess like i kind of already knew about that kind of world anyway from um cds so like my my mum used to buy like the now 49s and stuff like that oh, i yeah, guess yeah. we're on like now 100 by now <laughs> um but like yeah they used to have like blink 182 and some 41 on there um so yeah i kind of went into that route and then eventually i just found myself listening to um really heavy stuff <laughs> it just sort of like spiraled i guess so if music wasn't in the household when you started listening to the heaviest stuff in your room, what what was the reaction from mum and dad? Were they a bit taken back? Were they a bit like, you know, you're listening to Satan's music here, Justine? <laughs> um, I mean, fortunately, like my family aren't uh, religious, so I wasn't quite. It wasn't quite called the devil's music, but um, they did think I was being a bit weird, um, and they just like, oh, it's just a phase, and like, you know. Not that they weren't, like, supportive or anything like that. They just assumed, oh, she's just, like, you know, a teenager going through the motions. Um, but, yeah, like, <laughs> I got told to, like, you know, turn it down quite a few times. Um, I managed to get my little brother into, like, watching Kerrang! and Scuzz with me. Well, he didn't really have much stories because I kind of just had it on before school. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so what was it like at school for you then Were when you were in the later stages of school years? Were you starting to associate yourself as like an alternative kid or a metal kid oh yeah like I, I fully embraced it I mean I dyed my hair black I had a big fringe um I used to wear those like fingerless gloves with the stripes and stuff <laughs> um 
there was a really cool phase where I had uh, different colored converse on. I'd have like my right one red or and the left one black. It was it was a it was an interesting time. But yeah, like I fully went with it. I went absolutely like head first into it, like to the point where I do chores for my family just so I could save up money to buy CDs because they were like twenty pounds back then. Like now you can get them for like five to ten pounds, and it's so much cheaper. But there's this horrible like stage where like the cds are just like insanely expensive especially like the imports from america i just remember them being like absurd and i there was a few times i'd buy a cd and then i'd have to force myself to listen to it and like it because i spent so much money on it (laughs) that was was how it was that i I remember those times as well you know you've committed to the price now and you're like i'm not sure if i like this well i'm gonna have to like this because i can't return it now (laughs) Yeah, you're just literally like weeping inside going, oh, this is awful. <laughs> the singles are a lie. It's all crap from there. So, um, but like, there was this actually, sorry. No, go. But there was this actually like this uh, like secondhand CD store, which was like my sort of saving grace because I managed to pick up the um, Nine Inch Nails discography from there. That Ooh. was pretty sick. So, you know, another- going from new metal to more extreme metals, um, was that during high school you started to really get into more extreme heavy sounds or was that something that came in after your school years? Like where where were you coming at the end of school? Were you still in your new metal kind of industrial phase? Yeah, massively. I mean, that's kind of stuck with me into now. I'm like 27 now. Um, but yeah, so I I was really into Nine Inch Nails. Um, I got into because basically I listened to what Kerrang and Scuzz told me to. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally listened to um, yeah, like Nirvana. Um, <laughs> two fun facts there. So Nirvana, I didn't realize were uh, weren't a thing. I didn't realize Kurt Cobain was dead until about two years <laughs> into my obsession. Like, well, not obsession, but into listening. I was like, my aunt was like, you know, he's dead, right? And I was like, oh, because I was like talking about seeing him live, and I was like, I don't think that's possible. Um, and then I also thought that uh, Snoop Dogg was in Corn. Wow! Um, because of the twisted transistor <laughs> video, I didn't have. I had really shit dial-up in my in my uh, in my defense. Like it was, my internet connection would cut out loads and stuff, and it just. I mean, I was behind. I was definitely behind on the news. <laughs> <laughs> so in yeah. in high school, was music a career? And if it if it wasn't a thought as a career, where were you thinking of going with you know work and career things? Uh, I literally had no idea um, what I wanted to do when I left school, um, and I enjoyed doing media studies. And I, I couldn't I knew how to sort of use a camera and stuff because of taking photos of myself and MySpace. Um, I literally that's how I learned how to do <laughs> camera settings is the most flattering filters and you know light settings I can do to make me look good. Um, but hey, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. But yeah, I used to spend hours messing around with cameras and stuff. Um, so I actually. Um, as a degree, I did animation um, and special effects. So I was going to go into film. Um, and I worked in um, as a camera operator on premieres, like when I was about 18. Um, so we, I worked for like a little children's uh, charity who uh, sort of like wanted to draw attention to the fact you didn't just have to be an actor to be working in film. Like there are other jobs like, you know, I, I don't know, like producers and camera operators and things like that um so yeah we'd like kind of take the kids to the premiere like kind of red carpet events and get them to like um 
interview actors. Oh, wow. So that, that was a bit, that was the thing I did for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I was very lost, actually. I didn't didn't really know what I wanted to do for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's that's part of the reality, though. I think if anyone says when they were growing up, they knew what they wanted to do and they were committed to it, I'm quite surprised because I know for myself, I didn't know what I wanted to do and I was just guessing as I went along the way and I'm still guessing and I'm in my mid-30s. So it's a bit like that. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, unfortunately, my friends were just, are just like like superhuman. Like they they knew like from a very young age what they wanted to do, and I think that kind of like reflected on me a bit. Like I was a bit like, oh, actually, I really don't know what I want to do. Like my friends, like a, it's, I've got very smart friends. One of them's a doctor. Um, one of them's like doing a PhD on biochemistry and shit. Ooh. So I'll be sleeping on their sofas. Um, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I, literally I had my friends who were, like, really into um, sort of the science aspect of things. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And the whole time I was like, oh, I, I kind of like cameras. I'll, I'll see where this takes me. Um, but, hey, it's, it's, it's fun this way as well. Well, it is. <laughs> and, and you get to learn about yourself along the way. So when was kind of – when did the light bulb go off in your head that um, you wanted to be a vocalist, that you wanted – to give music a crack um i think literally from when i sort of started like listening to music properly when i was about 12 13 uh you know you do the whole thing where you like imagine yourself on stage you daydream and stuff like that that sort of like really intensified when i was about yeah 13 14 um and our local church um would like put on like kind of little uh, band group workshops so you and your friends could go along and they'll teach you how to put songs together mm. so at the time I used to sort of play guitar um, a little bit um, and I could sort of like you know I could do enough to sort of get by back then um, and yeah so I used to do that um, but yeah it wasn't until vocally when we like um, didn't have a vocalist anymore for our sort of small band that we used to play in front of parents we played like in front of parents what, like twice or something like that so it wasn't really a, a proper band um, but our vocalist left, and I ha- we had a go at doing the um, Enter Shikari, Sorry You're Not A Winner song. Oh, yeah. Um, and I had to go, like, doing vocals back then. Um, but, yeah, that was, like, literally, it, like, drips and drabs. So that was sort of, like, you know, the beginning of it. And it uh, wasn't um, until I started dating Sammy from ETS, and he was like, oh, I want to start a new band. And he was like, why don't you give vocals a go? Um, and, yeah, and I just basically started doing that. <laughs> so when you kind of started doing vocals, did you, you know, look into some lessons and research on how to do extreme vocals or did you kind of just wing it as you started out? Well, I went down like a rabbit hole on YouTube and there's some really like cringy um, videos on there. Like, it's quite fun. If you want to like have a have a good afternoon, definitely uh, type in how to do shouty vocals or something because there's some <laughs> interesting characters. Um, but like, I guess the main ones, like I sort of watched the Zen and screaming, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't quite understand it like until later on when I actually could do it. Weirdly enough, it was like that. I felt like that was really good for sort of perfecting technique. But I think like in terms of like working out how to do it, it's so hard to explain because it's such a stupid thing mm. that you, that is stupid. Like I'm literally yelling. Like that is that is all I'm doing. Um, and you kind of just end up kind of going, you know, like getting to this point where you're like, oh, okay, so I've just got to try it different ways until it stops hurting and then try and practice that. And it was just, it was literally just that. And I'd like, um, learn like suicide silence songs, um, 
and things like that and like exhumed yeah just sort of like the higher side of vocals because I couldn't like do anything other than highs at that point so were, were death core or you know death metal kind of bands your vocal inspiration yeah so back when I sort of properly started doing vocals I guess when I was how old was I like 19 so I guess 2012 if my maths are right um yeah, like literally I, back then I used to listen to like Despised Icon, Iron Dissonance. Well, I still listen to them now, to be honest. But like ma- majorly, like I was like very obsessed with deathcore um, and like sort of, you know, some death metal, like like Suffocation, um, bands like that, really. So, you know, if is that around the time 2012 when Employed to Serve kind of kicked off? Because I know for a while, if I'm right in thinking this, it was just a two-piece for the two cassette releases. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that is. Um, So I think, like, ETS was, like, the tail end of that sort of obsession. Um, Like, my my life is a series of, like, obsessive phases over different genres, I think. I think that's uh, (laughs) that's how to sum me up. (laughs) Um, And I kind of go backwards in time sometimes and have a little pop phase. And, yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, yeah, so I, um, yeah, so I, I basically, um, was like really into deathcore, stuff like that. And I, I don't know if you know a band called Palm Reader, but they're from like around our area. Yeah, yeah. Um, I worked the bassist and, um, I, I knew him from school. Um, like I literally, he's like two years above me in school. And I, we, I used to sort of like get album suggestions off him because he was like older and stuff. And you're like, oh, you know, he always sort of seemed to know like, bands i should listen to because i used to listen to like as i dying and like alexis on fire and bands like that through him um so i kind of like already knew that sort of like realm of stuff um then like he i started working with him and he started up his band and then he started playing with all these different bands and i heard of um a festival called heavy fest Mm -hmm. and it was like like on the seat like a little kind of um little town called well i suppose it's a city called kent um, and we went there and literally, like, um, I listened to, like, you know, I watched Dillinger Escape Plan play live for the first time. So I sort of knew them, in, like, when I was 16 and in college and stuff because they were, like, kind of kicking off then. Um, but I never really paid too much attention to that side of things. Um, but, yeah, like, from that festival, I got into Converge. I got into um, Glassjaw. I got into Touche and Mori. Um, yeah, like, loads of bands. I think that festival kind of, like, defined my music taste for about – well, until, up until now, really. Wow, and they're yeah. they're they're, they're, yeah, it's not- they're quite they're quite the chaotic side of hardcore, which is kind of what you guys do. But you, I mean, you guys do the chaotic hardcore, but with a very uh, doomy, sludgy, dirty side as well. Um, a question that kind of like when you were starting out doing vocals, that kind of I think needs to be asked was. Being a woman in doing metal, did were people taking you seriously? Because I think some people don't understand the metal elitist um, mentality that around that time there wasn't too many female vocalists. There were some, but a lot of them weren't doing the extreme side of things. Yeah, I mean, um, it's kind of a tough one because I... Back when I was younger, I used to play football and I used to play basketball. So I was always in a very male-dominated um, area. Like I've, my whole life, I've been sort of into like 
I've been like inverted commas of, of tomboy. So I, I guess it hasn't really phased me just because I'm sort of used to like being the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of, I guess it's kind of tough because because I don't really, um, I don't ever like experience it much personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know know a lot of girls who do. I mean, I think especially, I guess like if you're quite, um, so I'm like not a short person mm-hmm. and I'm quite a loud person. So I can imagine people who are sort of like, you know, feeling a bit like, you know, like smaller, whether it's like physically or, you know, mentally in terms of like being a shy person, I can imagine it being quite intimidating. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, personally for me, like I've only had a few instances, but I mean, I think that's just sort of sadly part of being a woman. But um, no, I, I feel like the hardcore scene has been very welcoming. I mean, that, and that leads to like a thing of like, do you now, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but do you now feel with what you've been doing um, with the band, but also the label and what you do for Kerrang, do you see yourself as kind of a role model now for the upcoming generation? <laughs> that poor generation. Um, I guess, I, I, I don't know, I guess I guess so. I mean, people will sort of say like, oh, I, I kind of didn't realise girls could do that. So I suppose that kind of plants that seed in their head that they can be like, um, oh, maybe I can do it. I mean, I, yeah, I guess so. I think, yeah, just being sort of visible and just sort of doing what you want to do, I guess, um, sort of sets a, a good, you know, uh, you know, it was sets a sort of almost standard going, oh, well, it's kind of quite normal for girls now to, mm. you know, be a vocalist. There's so many girls, obviously, like, not, not as much as boys, but it would take a while to, like, level out if it ever does. Um, but, yeah, like, there's so much more now. Like, I was speaking to um, Eva from Road to Massey, not too well, about, about a year ago about this, like how when she started back in like the early 2000s, how there was literally no one. Mm. Um, it was like starting in 2005. Um, but yeah, back then there was literally no one in the scene, like especially in the UK. Um, but like compared to now, it's just like, you know, can't get rid of us. Yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> I think so. I think it's great for the landscape and it 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 allows the future now to be more diverse um so i think it's exciting times going forward now want to run back because you guys have done quite a bit so as i was saying earlier you know you kind of did your two cassette kind of eps um and then you switched up and joined holy raw how did the link up originally happen for you guys um so i uh, when we started this band, we wanted to be signed to Holy Raw. Like we saw, we saw their stall at um, at Heavy First. Um, like we really were into like Bastions and Throats and stuff, which is sort of like the, the bands that were on the label at the time, and uh, a band called Maths as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like we used to sort of go to their shows and stuff, and we we're like, oh, this is really sick. Like, um, you know, we want to be signed to them. And fortunately, at the time, we um, we released through this little uh, this small German label called Warg Records. They did our tapes, um, and then Jay Randall of um, Agrophobic Nosebleed like released our stuff digitally on Grindcore Karaoke, mm-hmm. uh, which is like his like online digital um, label. Um, so yeah, like we had quite like a, 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 a run of luck there um, in terms of sort of like being like you know having a platform um, and sort of like getting people to listen to our music. So we're just like, oh, it's going well. Like you know, let's try and um, you know get get Alex from Holy Raw um, into us. Uh, so we put, we needed a drummer at the time because it was just myself and Sammy. 
and uh, he would like program all the drums and like record everything at home um and then um yeah so he was at um, a music uh university called acm at the time and he um sent a advert out just like saying like hey we're looking for a metal drummer and uh robbie was the first person to reply actually Mm. Um, and, he, and he's with us now so yeah he's been with us the whole time so he's an OG member um, and yeah like so from there like we just we found it really hard to get shows because no one it was like such a like a stupid thing that they were like oh like you have no fan base but we won't give you a, a show um, so in the end I ended up just sort of booking shows myself and putting us on as openers like I'd use my student loan um, to like cover like the the venue fees and stuff. Um, sometimes I'd lose money, sometimes I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of part of it. But yeah, like I literally just sort of used to be like, oh, I really like these bands and I want to like you know meet them and stuff. I'll book them and then just like put us on as opening. I literally did that for about a year, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think within like a couple of months, I think um, yeah, Alex was sort of aware of us and we used to play with his band called Parizo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, and like yeah, we did stuff like that. But like we did like a bunch of stuff. Like we kind of gave out promos outside converge shows um, and things like that. So yeah, it's kind so we of kind of met him through doing that. It's kind of the DIY, hardworking, slow burn build ethics that you guys seem to have throughout your entire career. Is is that something that you kind of you were saying how you you had to you know make a show to get on a show kind of thing. Was it something that you feel like you wanted to do or it was kind of like your hand was forced? It was like, well, we're going to have to work hard at this. So let's put in the yards. Yeah. I mean, I'm quite an, I'm quite an impatient person. I kind of feel like you need to sort of like put in the effort. Like I'm always a firm believer of like, you kind of get out of it what you put in. Um, so as soon as like I spent a couple weeks, like I think I think about a month or so trying to get shows, and it just wasn't happening. It's like I, it was just a natural. Oh, I'll just book my own then. So do you guys? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, like so yeah, I just started doing that, and then and then they wanted to book us, um, which I did let them. Do you think so I was like yes, you can book us? <laughs> do you think that kind of thing that you guys did and. You're still very much a grinding, hardworking band. Do you, do you think that's something that a lot of bands nowadays um, don't do or sometimes forget that needs to be done? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's sort of changed with time. I think there's there's always going to be those bands who are a bit lazy. And there's some bands who are, like, constantly stoned and seem to have everything fall <laughs> at their feet, and it's just astounding. But you can't bank on that because I think there's, like, no sort of right way to do a band. Like, I know bands who have sort of, like, you know, done minimal bad shows and have just done nothing but great stuff somehow, and they're surviving great. But it just didn't happen for us, like, that way. So, you know, you can either just sort of sit there going, oh, I want to want to play download or something and then just sit there at home forever and it never happening or you can actually go and try and do it um and at least if you fail at that then you go oh i tried yeah um but yeah like i think some bands kind of because of the internet they kind of feel they can just put an event page up and then that's it or just release an album on Bandcamp, and then they're going to be big um but i think they'll be mistaken <laughs> yeah and I, I think also you know, good on those bands that get that instant success, but the ones that usually work for that success are usually the long-lasting ones. I know there is a few exceptions, but a lot of the quick 
appearance, you know, blow up bands usually fizzle out um, after a while. Oh yeah, all those they don't exist anymore. Those bands were they, the bands that they were those bands like when we started. They not they're all split up. Like mm. they're all just gone. Because um, I was talking about this with Palm Reader the other day. I think it's um, them and like this band called Svalbard as well. You should check them out if you haven't already. Um, but those were the sort of three where we all sort of started at a similar time, and uh, everyone else split up. They all sort of uh, quit. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. We, the last few like hanging on um but yeah <laughs> so the debut release grayer than you remember um got a bit of attention i know the attention really ramped up on the the sophomore album but um how was it from you know looking back inside the band what was the reaction and reception like for you guys and also was there a sense of relief knowing that f- the debut album was out there? Um, I f- remember feeling like really accomplished, like we're actually a proper band now because there was a lot of bands in our scene who um, who I looked up to and they sort of didn't really last to even a debut album. Like they were very much like almost like the hardcore formula of like a few seven inches um, and then like they're done or like they kind of start recording their debut album they split up or one of them wants to go traveling so I think when we actually released that debut I was like oh wow like that's a that's a proper body of work like we can actually play for more than a half an hour now um, you know and yeah I just remember being like really stoked on it and um, I remember our release show we, we played the uh, the venue that we did our first ever show at the Camden Unicorn um, and like people turned up, they actually like, you know, it's any small sort of venue, I think probably about, you know, hundred or so capacity. But I just remember like loads of people, like not just our friends, like coming to the release show and I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty decent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was really stoked on it because it was the, um, it was the first time we didn't record it at home as well. We recorded it. Um, that was the first album we recorded with Lewis Johns at the ranch, mm-hmm. who's done our last, um, the two records after that and the one coming out. Um, yeah, so like I just remember like getting it back for the first time, and I actually almost welled up because I was like, "Oh, we sound like a real band now." Like not to like diss Sammy's recording, but naturally it's going to sound better. Did Did you feel that you know from that album coming out, you were starting to get a little bit of momentum? You know, were were the shows getting a bit easier for you guys to get? Were you getting shows that were probably not to diss the old shows you were getting but were you getting better shows if that's a way of saying it oh yeah like we were definitely trimming the fat like i mean i remember like <laughs> i mean we, we still like on that album cycle even we did a few shows where we played like a nightclub before like uh, before a disco loadout and oh, they're so shit like so you have to finish at 10 and then all the drunk punters come in and you have to load out really big cabs and they, they like spill like drink on your gear and they look at you like a piece of shit because you bumped into them because they wouldn't get out of the way. And <laughs> we don't do those anymore. It's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, it's just, oh, it was so bad. I just, I always just remember like, oh, I'm in the way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you don't get any more of those shows. You're actually like asked and, and welcomed to sort of, uh, play shows and, and there's more than a man and his dog watching you, which yeah. is pretty cool. Well, I mean, that's that's always got to be a, a bit of validation to, you know, have people there to see you, not crossing their arms or hands in their pockets going, when will this band yeah. end? 
Yeah, massively. Oh, I'm just trying to have a quiet pint and you're disrupting it with your noise. <laughs> um. Now, the, the, the sophomore album was, I mean, from, from an Australian outsider perspective, I feel was the album that suddenly kind of threw you guys on the map. Um, you guys were, for that album, you were winning awards and a lot of critics were getting behind you. Um, before the album came out, um, some people I know when it comes to the sophomore album, there's a lot of nerves and reservations about it because there is that sometimes that thought that the sophomore album is the make or break for a band. Was there any of that for you guys? Um, I guess not just because it's really funny because people say that about the third now. So like, I think it, I think depending on who you talk to, I think everything's going to break you. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I remember when we sort of like got it, I didn't really, um, I think like during the process of it, I think we were so sort of, um, self-aware of, of like, if we could do better and stuff like that. So if there's a song that wasn't quite cutting it, like we would be quite ruthless and we would be like, oh, it's not good enough. Let's rewrite this bit or let's scrap it entirely. I think that's the sort of like um, the good part about this band is that we sort of always, you know, looked inwards rather than being like, oh, will the fans like it? You know, because obviously, well, obviously we want people to like it, but that's like this is a complete secondary um, thought. Like it's always like, how good can we make it? And does it sound right? And, you know, um, does it work as a whole? Um, and I think like, yeah, we spent so long doing that, um, that we kind of felt like, oh, well, this is the best that we could have done. Um, and because of that, it was, you know, there was minimal nerves, I guess. And it did it feel like a lot of people were saying that you guys were, you know, suddenly champions of the underground. I think I read somewhere at the time in 2017, when it came out that, you know, you were the, the idols of the underground. Um, it's a bit of a weird phrase to have thrown at you guys um, because in a way they're saying, oh, good on you because you're from the underground. And then there's also that feeling of like, oh, well, you guys are underground. Did it, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah no, I totally, I totally get what you mean. Well, I kind of felt like that was a sort of a, a natural um, uh, progression, if you know what I mean, because like we were very much doing the uh, sort of small B city circuits mm. prior to that album and we were still playing squats in Europe. Um, yeah, and proper like we were slogging it still. I mean we, I remember we, like when we got the masters for the album, we'd just done two tours back to back because we'd got offered one and like we'd already accepted one and we managed to sort it out. So we like kind of just managed to like completely like connect them so we were away for almost like a month and yeah so like it, it kind of like was like oh no it's because we you know have played those smaller venues and stuff and like we haven't come out of nowhere um but no it was it was like it was really like well received and we were very stoked on it um but we were quite happy to be the champions of the underground it was it, flattering because uh, we were definitely from the depths <laughs> yeah well it's quite a title to have now I mean, you know, you won, I think you won Kerrang! Album of the Year that year. Um, there was quite a few accolades that were thrown your way. So, yeah, be the champions. Fucking own it. Oh, yeah, man. Like, that that Kerrang! award was, I still don't believe it. I just remember, like, because um, our PR guy, like, emailed us saying that, oh, you, you know, you got Album of the Year. And I was like, oh, cool, man. Like, 
what, 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 yeah, what was it? Was it number 50 or, or what? He was like, oh, no, number one. I was like, yeah, but what one? Like, I was getting kind of like, oh, man, like, which, which one is it? He goes, oh, no, you're the, the one. And I, was, I literally couldn't believe it. Um, like, you know, because I looked at past ones and it was like Green Day. Mm. Um, I think Metallica had one. Um, so, no, it was really cool. Um, then over the next year or so, you guys went on the grind, some really impressive tours, some really impressive shows, but constantly working hard. Um, what was the period like for you after that album? Were you starting to see a lot more punters turn up, a lot more people knowing the band name? Were you seeing merch sales improve? Oh, yeah, like it was leaps and bounds. Like it was it was quite crazy. Like I felt like... Um, people knew us if you know what i mean mm. like yeah we had such good like support from the magazines and and other media outlets and you know all of a sudden like people were getting tattoos of our band and i think that was crazy like yeah people started wanting to sort of take photos with us and um i mean don't get me wrong i'm not getting like swarmed on the streets of woking um <laughs> <laughs> i mean like in in relevant places, like people started knowing, you know, like oh, our names and stuff. So that was pretty crazy. Although I did have a random guy, like so I live. I'm from for like a little town called Woking, mm-hmm. uh, like it's tiny, like it's a commuter town. And there was this one guy who recognised me because he lived up in Newcastle and he'd like moved down for work or something, and he freaked me out because I was like, he was like Justine, and I was like yeah and he was like i like your band and i felt i felt very cool i think when you when you get recognized in your hometown i think that's um that's a bucket list thing yeah that's a mama i've made it moment yeah mum. oh i say what this is really self-indulgent but i felt really cool because i went to the burrito place with my dad and um, the guy knew me and he gave me a staff discount and, like, he said, I like my, your band in front of my dad. Because my, my parents and that don't really get this kind of music. They're supportive, but they don't get it. So he was like, oh, that's really cool. And I was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Like, oh, <laughs> See, I am doing the right thing. Yeah, free. Bro- so that's actually my favourite thing from the last album cycle was my half price food. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it is important. And the fact it was a burrito, that's okay, you know. It, that's good. It's not a free coffee, but oh, yeah. it's still a win. Um, oh, yeah. Pizza, burrito, burgers, all, br- all brilliant in my book. Now, this year is going to be quite exciting for you guys. You know, um, the new album's coming out in May, uh, titled Eternal Forward Motion. Um, you've already released one single, Force Fed, which is fucking sick. I... Can't stop jamming Thank that you. fucking tune. That is, oh, it's, it's, it really blew me away. It kind of gave me a bit of a shock. Um, and you're about to drop a new single, I think, uh, sometime this week or next week. Um, first thing about this album is you've now switched up to Spine Farm. Um, yeah. Why the change um, and how did it come about? Um, so because I, I've, I've basically like, I've worked with Holy Raw for as long as the band's been on the label. Um, so I felt I was getting to the point where I was constantly, um, letting things slide for ETS just because I didn't want to appear biased to the rest of the bands on our roster. Cause I didn't want to be like, like, Oh, here's another Instagram post, like, you know, for mm. ETS on Holy Raw. 
and everyone being like, oh, I wonder why, um, and things like that. And I, I didn't want to sort of like, not that our bands would be like that because they're great people, but I was very self-conscious about um, coming across biased. Um, so that was sort of putting pressure on things um, because like the label was also like, you know, fortunately, like it's been a really good couple of years for the label as well. Um, and like, you know, it was taking up more of my time and stuff as it naturally would do. Um, so I was getting to the point where I really felt like it would be good to not, um, you know, be my own label manager. Mm. Um, so yeah, like, so that's where Spine Farm came in really. Um, and yeah, like obviously like they've got more of a worldwide pop uh, platform, uh, whereas, uh, Holy Raw sort of more, um, you know, UK, Europe, and I guess now like North American, um, centric. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite an interesting link up. Um, uh, Spine Farm really, I think, over the last few years have started to broaden themselves. But I, I remember growing up in Spine Farm being very set in their style. So it's quite a it's quite an exciting link up. And like you said, the big branch that they have um, overseas with the album, um, you know, there's obviously things going into an album. But wh- where do you feel you are as a band now? Do you feel like this is the moment for you guys i mean it's a hard question to really give an answer because everything you guys have released really matures from each thing to the next so um what do you want to achieve with this album this year um so i personally think this is our best one yet like i i can i think it's leagues better than the last album i think it's a lot more confident um, and I think like this, I finally feel like we found our sound with this album. Like, cause I feel like with warmth and stuff, like we, we sort of still were sort of searching for our, um, you know, our sort of, uh, groove, I guess. Um, and, uh, yeah. So with this album, we were just like, this is like, it was so easy to sort of write it in natural. Um, so yeah, like I'm, I'm really hoping to sort of tick more bucket list stuff with this album. Um, we really want to take it to America, like Japan and Australia, New Zealand. I think we just want to sort of like go to more places that we haven't with this album. Um, and like, you know, fortunately we managed to tick off download off the list last year and that was phenomenal. Um, cause yeah, like in the UK, like that's the sort of metal festival you want to be playing. Um, and yeah, this year we're playing like Hellfest and stuff as well. So that'd be really cool. But yeah, I just hope to sort of like continue with uh, more of the sort of great festivals that I've always like wanted to play and, yeah, I just hope more people um, uh, are aware of our band, really, and get to enjoy our previous work as well. Yeah, it feels like the momentum is perfectly primed for it, I think, running off Warmth of a Dying Sun. And if you hear Force Fed, it, it, it shows, am I right in thinking, the direction you guys are going? A lot more, a lot more groove, not to say there wasn't groove, but a lot more emphasis on groove. Yeah, there is a lot more groove on this record. Um, yeah, I, I think like that last out. I think that last song, like Force Fed, was definitely um, a very much a sort of a, a good sort of single to sort of launch with. But it's not all we have in the bag, if that makes sense. Like I feel mm. like we still got the big swells and stuff of the last record. Um, so yeah, I, I'm actually just quite interested, like excited, like for people to hear it because I think there's a lot of people who are like, oh, like you know. This is like really like I don't know. Oh, I'm trying to think of some of the comments. Like actually, to be fair, like it's been really really good feedback. Like there's literally like one percent people going, oh they've sold out. Like mm. literally, I think like one person said that. 
but I just enjoy listening to it going, oh, it's like so like radio friendly. And I'm like, ha, you haven't listened to any of the rest of the albums. <laughs> My mum will not listen to it and neither will your mum unless she's into metal. But um, no, it's, it's quite fun. Like it's really cool being the inside looking out and just being like, oh, it's just it's not accessible still. Yeah, really I- not. But uh, I don't think I don't yeah. think that song. I don't think if someone says that's radio friendly, I you know I might be just the Australian in me, but I'm I would say, what fucking radio station do you listen to that that would be on the fucking radio? <laughs> like that's not played here. Like if you want to listen to yeah. ACDC and Metallica, yeah, fine, but you wouldn't get anything like that on the radio. Um, but it's good also to hear that that's kind of the lead single for a reason and there's some hidden punches left in the bag so that's quite exciting of course oh yeah like i'm I'm pretty i'm really excited like this new single we're we're releasing on friday um yeah like i'm really excited about that one i think that one might be my favorite one the record i think Ooh. Uh, yeah i'm excited it's gonna be good now um (laughs) some other bits and pieces before we wrap things up is one with um You know, you mentioned in there before with your label manager role at Holy Raw. um, How did that come about? And is that something that kind of is a natural progression for you for whenever the day comes that you stop performing, that, you know, you'll take a bit of an industry uh, side of your career? Um, So I started working for Holy Raw um, when, so I started off as an intern. Uh, I've been working for Holy Raw five years next month, which is crazy. Wow. Um, So I I literally left uni um, and I I literally had no idea what I wanted to do and I ended up getting stuck in this retail job whilst, um, do you know what, it was actually quite a good job to have at the time because it was like I worked at a computer store like um, selling Apple products um, and I it was so dead in there that I booked all of the employed to serve tours whilst getting paid at work. <laughs> it, was, it was honestly like the best. And I used to rinse the printer in because I used to print out flyers at work. Um, yeah, <laughs> I did serve customers as they came in, but I, I pretty much, um, I mean, I, I bled that job dry. I used all the resources I did. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so anyway, I was doing that and I was like kind of miserable because I was sort of like working full time then. I was like, I literally hate this so much. Like people are so rude. I have nothing to gain out of this. Um, and then I booked a tour with us and Parizo um, oh. in Europe. Um, so Parizo's Alex is like from Holy Raw's Old Man. Uh, you should check them out if you haven't. They're really cool. Um, and he was like i literally i, I was called um spreadsheets because I, I just have lots of spreadsheets i like things organized i'm very type a like that i'm not very laid back um and he uh alex was just like oh you know you're, you're organized um i need a new intern do you want to like give it a go um and yeah literally from there i just uh never left i sort of interned for a year i was part-time for a year and then like you know been full-time ever since um and I sort of became label manager when Alex opened his beer shop. So he has a a, a craft beer sort of um, tap room and bottle shop in Brixton in London mm-hmm. called Ghost Whale, if you're ever, ever around. Um, but yeah, like, so that coincided um, with him sort of like opening up that beer shop. So he obviously needed someone to sort of keep things ticking over at Holy Raw. So yeah, I sort of took on that role um, when he left over. But um Yeah. Is yeah, it, it's good though. Um, is it quite exciting to be able to, you know, 
I wouldn't say have the power, but really, you know, oversee a label and possibly bring in talent that normally wouldn't get recognised or help push talent that normally wouldn't get pushed. Oh, yeah, I love it. Like, it's it's really good because when, when other people come off tour, they're quite unfortunate. Some of them have to, like, you know, go back to retail or, like, other jobs that are not, you know, they, like, yeah, they tolerate, but they're not too into. But I get to go back to work, and I actually really like it. I kind of don't even feel like it is work. Um, I never get that sort of Sunday evening blues mm. or anything like that, and so I'm very grateful for it. And now that I, I have a, a monthly column that I write for Kerrang! as well now, um, where like I sort of shout out all the bands I've been listening to, like the new ones. Um, so yeah, I literally like my 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 spare time when I'm not touring is uh, looking out for new bands and scouring Bandcamp and Spotify related artists and stuff like that. So no, it's really cool. I'm I'm really happy to like have all these different. Um, I hate using the word platforms as if it's like a business thing, but I guess that's what they are, like platforms to sort of push the bands that I kind of feel, um, you know, need to be pushed because the internet is such a, a noisy place. Like there's so much choice. Um, you know, people get option paralysis. So mm. I think it's kind of nice to be able to have, have you know, something to like, you know, go, oh, hey, like, you know, listen to these bands. These are very good, like, and have been vetted, if you know what I mean. Well, the Krang, um, you know, nice. the Krang way of doing things reminds me of, um, what it was like for me as a kid with looking at Kerrang, you would rely on people's columns like yourselves for bands, you know, that you mightn't have heard of. And also, in a way, it's paying back. You know, you're you're giving back to probably something that helped you when you were growing up. Oh, yeah, massively. Like, it's, it's wonderful to sort of go full circle. Like, um, I... You know, I feel very, very grateful for the fact that I know that my 14-year-old self would be very proud of me, if you mm. know what I mean, like I'm doing everything I wanted to do, um, you know, and, and, you know, not many people can say that um, through, you know, having to have other responsibilities like families and, um, you know, just life just not working out quite how they wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as much as I sometimes complain about my commute into London and the trains being delayed, I, I very much enjoy what I do. <laughs> Now, kind of trains. Uh, well, I don't even. We don't even have public transport in our section where of Australia I live. We have buses. Um, you know, if you want to get to the major city, <laughs> if you want to get to the major city, you got to get one bus to one area, and then you got to wait, and then you got to get another bus. And a one-hour drive through buses will take you about two hours. Fuck public transport. Not even oh worth it. It's it's horrible. And it's hot there, right? Yeah, we live on the sun. Oh. We live on the Sunshine Coast, and our average temperature is probably mm, probably like twenty eight degrees. Oh my god! Yeah, so I'm too fair skinned. I burn. <laughs> um, kind of the last two things I kind of wanted to touch on was one. Um, it's quite interesting because you know you're a label manager, you work for Kerrang, plus you're in a band. Um, where do you see? the industry as a whole today um coming from where it was to in 2019 you see everything in a different way because you'll see it from a band perspective label perspective etc do you see things that um it's a interesting challenging time do you think we haven't figured things out or do you think all the power is now in the right place or do you think we haven't figured it out and we're kind of still not figuring it out 
Oh, I think things are going really well. I mean, I'll be honest, when the band started, it came out of uh, what I call the dark years where I feel like not much, I, I can't even remember what my favorite albums were that came out in 2010. Mm. Like from 2008 to 2010, I was like, these couple of years, there's a severe drought of, of bands where I was like, oh my God, there's literally like nothing I want to listen to. And um, it felt quite um, miserable, to be honest. And then, like, I, I've noticed since being in the band, I don't know if it's because I've become more aware, but I've, I feel like I've always been quite good at, um, you know, keeping current and just sort of looking at what's out there and going to local shows. Um, but, no, I think it's doing really well. I mean, like, all the sort of coverage, like, you know, of, like, magazines like Kerrang! and Metal Hammer and Revolver, they're, like, really championing the small bands, and I think that's so important to the future of music, like, so important. Like, if, you know, festivals like Download, you know, aren't doing what they're doing by booking small bands for, like, the smaller stages and, like, helping them grow, um, and, and similar festivals as well. Like, I think people, um, like, festival organisers and, like, press have you know, really started like um, driving small bands like like ourselves and, and many around us. And I think it's like the best thing they could be doing because it's, you know, it works like more more bands like, you know, Code Orange, for example, and Bane, they've had a lot of support from those areas. And it's, you know, it's helped them massively, like it's got them across seas. Um, and you actually see there's like, you know, definitely a future for metal. Um, because if you still have like the same headliners and you never give any other new bands a chance, then, you know, unfortunately, the metal's going to die out or, like, become a different form of metal, like it'll become more electronic or, you know, lose the sort of riffs and the sort of actual, like, you know, the rawness of metal. Well, yeah, I mean, and we can't... I don't think we want to go down the way of having Aussie as a hologram on stage for download. Oh, it's so... Holograms are the most depressing thing in the world. I know. Let them die. <laughs> it's really bad or or you you know what we'll have a super group doing covers of aussie songs or something it's it, have, I, you, have you seen the Dio one have yes. you seen the Dio hologram oh, it's horrible he's so small oh well he was <laughs> in so real life he was he was a he was very he much was a midget like, oh man like it's, i just i don't know i don't know if i'm just a bit like overly sensitive but i find it so distasteful it's almost like getting a taxidermy do you know what i mean but like like a fucked up taxidermy of an old rock star it's just like like digging him out of his grave and going oh perform for us again (laughs) i just think oh well i think it is you you also hit the nail on the head though it is important that we do keep trying to bring forward new bands to grow into bigger bands because if you don't do that then who's who's to blame people for complaining that metal is dying or that you know there's not enough bigger bands it's because we're not bringing enough through to get the opportunity and the platform to get bigger um our big example here is parkway you know they have over time just completely exploded um through hard work but do you think Today, for a band, it is harder to stay relevant and stay in people's attention. And what I mean by that is it now seems like, as a listener, you're spoilt for choice. There's so much going on. And part of being spoilt for choice, I sometimes feel like people's attention spans have diminished. And if a band isn't in their face, either through a social media post or a new t-shirt or a new video or a new single 
they can sometimes feel like they're forgotten. Is it a new, do you think that's something we're experiencing? Oh, massively. Like, you know, there's no doubt people's attention spans have like plummeted drastically, like since smartphones and things like that. Like it's, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's quite, it's quite terrifying. I mean, like, like I saw previous, previously mentioned, I get the train to work um, and I'm with like adults, like, you know, proper, like mothers and fathers have kids at home. They're in their forties and they're like business people. Right. And I literally, I, I go to work and all I see are foreheads. <laughs> like I never see people's faces. It's just like lit up foreheads, like on their iPads and stuff. And I can just, you can just, I can't, I'm, I'm totally guilty of it myself. I'm definitely not one of those, like, you know, I don't, I have social media. I'm very much aware. I spend too much time on my phone. But like when you actually do sort of like look up from your phone and look around, you kind of realize how people aren't paying attention to anything. Like to the point where I have to dodge people like from walking into me because they're looking at their phone whilst walking. <laughs> um, so like, you know, the same's true with, with, um, with music. Like people have infinity at their fingertips. They have Spotify. You pay $9.99 a month and you get any album, um, well, pretty much any album that you can, you can ever want on there. Um, so yeah, naturally people's attention spans are just like, are just shot really. Mm. Um, so yeah, like it is, it is harder for bands to stay, stay like in people's faces. But I think on the flip side though, like, you know, it also means that bands aren't that good. Don't linger around for very long yes. <laughs> in, in sort of a side. Like, you know, if some, if you're like got a really good like album or, um, or some people will, you know, still or will save it on their playlist and they will keep going back and they will come to your shows. It's just you've got to stand out. So I suppose it's um, it's sort of a, kind of like a full circle thing, really. I guess like just as long as you the credible uh, magazines and festivals still book them, then they will stick around um, because, you know, playlists and things, although they are amazing for discovering bands, it doesn't necessarily get you fans. It's like the sort of you know, the constant seeing. I mean, there's that old marketing sort of um, rule that people have to, you know, see something seven times before they, you know, act on it. Mm. Uh, like it's like a psychological study. And like, yeah, it's that's the whole thing. Like you have to like see a band almost like mentioned to you through friends or on social media like seven times or like, you know, more or less um, before you actually check them out. So, um, that, so yeah, yeah, I think it's difficult. And that leads me to like do, what's – What's the English scene like with shows? I mean, England feels like recently it's kind of had an explosion with, you know, um, yourselves and a lot of bands like Conjurer, Palm Reader, you mentioned. There's a lot of bands that are exploding. But is the English live scene, um, I mean, you know, going to shows, is that thriving as well or is it kind of struggling through this attention thing? Because one thing we've seen in Australia is... A lot of people will think, I don't need to go to that show because I can see them in six months and maybe in six months the lineup will be more to my preference. Um, and even if I miss that show, I can go on YouTube and watch footage of it anyway. So why spend the 20 bucks and go to the show? Um, yeah, so like London especially is terrible for it because we're so spoiled. Um that like people are like oh like I won't even go to South London like they're from North London like oh it goes south of the river like sod that like it's literally like a half hour tube if that but they're like oh I'm not going south of the river so it does happen in England like probably more so because we're such a small country you could probably like follow a band on their entire tour and it not take much fuel um, 
But like no, I think it's like I think it's doing really well. I think the only thing like the the scene is struggling with in England is, uh, I think it's actually a worldwide thing. Really, is venues shutting down like grassroots mm-hmm. like small venues. Yeah. Um, because we're such a small overpopulated country, um, you know, housing prices are just astronomical, and so is rent. So, um, you know, I think I think venues are struggling to stay open. But I, I feel like it will always continue. I think there's where well, there's a will, where there's a way. And like since all these like, you know, a lot of people are struggling to afford houses these days, I think people are being more reckless of what they do with their time and are actually like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to be in a band. I mean, I can't <laughs> afford to, I can't afford a house. I might as well do what I want. Yeah. So in a, in a weird uh, kind of spin on things, it's actually kind of a positive thing. No one can afford houses. <laughs> it's yeah. more music and anger. <laughs> well, we, we, we have seen that that um, venue thing happen here. It's... Um... Yeah, it's happening a lot here, so it's quite worrying that you're hearing it's happening everywhere because we're not heavily populated, yeah. but um, but yeah, it's happening a lot to us. People are moving into areas where a very well-recognised, you know, alternative venue is. Um, they then move in and then complain to the council about sound problems. So it's kind yep, of... exact same thing happened here. It's, it's, it's honestly insane. It's like touching a flame and complaining <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> Like it's it's so stupid. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't get over it. It it it's yeah, and it keeps happening here. Um, Justine, last question I've got before we wrap things up is about lyrics um, and how you go about writing them and how um, you're very eye-opening and confronting with some of the things you write and do you find that easy to do and is it something that you set out to achieve or is it something that kind of happens because some of the songs you've written it gives goosebumps uh for me personally because you go oh you know you feel it and you go wow someone someone said it or someone understands kind of thing yeah um i feel comfortable with it because I kind of I kind of hide everything in metaphors and sometimes I kind of mislead a lot as well so I I kind of feel like I'm sort of not too exposed to sort of the greater world because it is a kind of thing like you know I wouldn't be surprised my family have like read my lyrics or you know friends and stuff like that or like even the people who I've written about like I I can kind of feel safe in the fact that they probably might not twig it's actually them if that makes sense Mm. um but yeah so like in terms of um writing my lyrics I I kind of just um it's usually my commute to to and from work and to and from shows because it takes about an hour and a bit it's always like late at night or like quite late and stuff (laughs) when I'm feeling vulnerable and tired (laughs) um (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I just sort of like listen to a lot of like like so Sammy does those scratch tracks that I kind of put on my phone and um I just sort of like write like blurt lyrics out on my notes on my phone really um and then just sort of like you know try and piece them together so Sammy writes a lot of the lyrics as well um because he sometimes writes the songs with lyrics in mind um but yeah like it's definitely sort of like I kind of just don't really think about it I just sort of write what I'm feeling at the time and what I'm, I'm experiencing and I sort of like um, another day I'll kind of go through and just sort of rework some bits um, and, uh, yeah, just sort of like work out how to better express them really. Yeah, well, I, well, I know myself and a few people I know that are fans of you, um, what you write, yeah, love it. Like songs like I Spend My Days, oh, um, yeah, amazing, Platform 89, things like that, just 
just fuck yeah is all I need to say. Like that just sums it up perfectly. Um, <laughs> no, thank you. What I do to finish this off um, is I do a segment called Pick Your Poison. So what we do here, just as we finish, we want to pick that brain just to see what your preference is when you're given two options. Um, they're going to be like okay. thing, things like food, movies, and bands, um, and you have to pick one of the two. Okay. So, would you prefer a pizza or a burger? Oh, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. I never said they were going to be easy. See, I've been, I've been dreaming of like making. I'm sure this exists. A pizza burger. So, like where, Ooh. like the buns are like pizza, like little mini pizzas, <sighs> as the bun. Oh. But I guess that's cheating. I can't really choose my little non-existing <laughs> creation. Um, Oh, burger. Okay. Would you prefer chicken or beef? Uh, chicken. Uh, Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Oh, Indian. 100% Indian. Love curries. Uh, beer or whiskey? Beer. Uh, mayo or brown sauce? Uh, oh. I'm going to go with brown sauce because I, I don't know if you guys, uh, we have an English breakfast and it, and it goes well with uh, an English breakfast. Yeah, but, but you guys also, English people are obsessed with mayo. So that's quite a surprising pick that you went brown sauce. You guys are obsessed with mayo. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, like mayo is also, it was quite hard. It's only because <laughs> I like English breakfast over everything else that I picked brown sauce. <laughs> Would you prefer to cook at home or dine out? Oh, dine out. I'm very lazy. Would you prefer to watch a movie in the cinemas or with your feet up on the couch? Oh. Oh, Cinema. Okay. Um, Now, this one will be a hard one because you live in England, but beach or snow? Oh, definitely beach. I can't get to work in the snow. (laughs) (laughs) Do you prefer a cat or a dog? Dog, dogs are great. I do like cats. You know what? I used to hate cats, um, but now, like, since Sammy's sister's got a new cat, it's one of those pl- like flat face ones that look like they've been hit with a like frying pan. <laughs> and it's ginger. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really sassy, and I love that cat. Um, but no, dogs. Well, I don't. I actually quite like cats now, so that's good. Uh, Batman or Superman? Oh, Batman! Superman's such a square. Yeah, I don't know why he's so popular. It doesn't make sense. He's not very cool. No. Um, James Bond or Jason Bourne? Uh, Jason Bourne because he's fit. (laughs) Ooh, good answer. Um, Rambo or Rocky? Oh. Oh, I don't know. Mm. Rambo. Okay. Um, Freddy or Jason? Oh, Freddie. Um, he's got weird arms. Yeah, the 80s films. I like him. They're funny. Oh, he's a classic. Um, Terminator or Predator? Oh, Terminator. Um, South Park or Simpsons? Simpsons. Um, Slayer or Pantera? Oh, Pantera. <laughs> Good answer. Um, corn or Limp Bizkit? Uh, corn. 
Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder? Uh, Cannibal Corpse. Rolling off easy here. Um, Metallica or Megadeth? Can I be honest? Mm. I, I've never gotten on board with either. I'm going to go Metallica. Yes. Hey, hey. I know. It's, oh, it's weird, isn't it? So no. basically, when I got into metal, they weren't that cool. Like, because they're like considered dad metal. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I kind of, they are kind of old, aren't they? They're like really old. Yeah, like 70, but, I think. Um, holograms of them soon. <laughs> yes. They'll retire and be replaced by holograms. See, I'm actually the same of my my reason for not liking either of them, or especially Metallica, was not only the dad metal thing, but like everyone was telling me I should like Metallica. And I was like, well, I don't. Yeah, that's it. I was like, I don't like it. They're like, no, you like this music. You will like Metallica. I'm like, no, I'm not a fan. Oh, well, you don't like metal. Okay, well, fine. You know, weird. I didn't realize you were the authority. Yes. Yeah. It's like. I appreciate they are good. Like, there are some songs I really like, but I've just never, like, consumed an album or been obsessed like quite a few people have been. Yeah, um, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Um, couple left. Ramstein or Nine Inch Nails? Nine Inch Nails. Oh, that was easy. That was quick. Bang. Oh, I love that band so much. Um, would you prefer to watch a show in the mosh pit or near the sound desk? Uh, mm, probably sound desk. Mm. Younger me would say much bit. Not that I'm old. I just, I just don't want my stuff getting broken. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> would you prefer to tour or record? I'll tour. Yeah. And last one. Would you prefer to own an album on CD, vinyl, or streamed? Oh, vinyl. I collect vinyl. Yeah. Um, Justine, fuck yeah. That that was that was a lot of fun. Thank you so very oh, much. You. Yeah, it was good. Can't believe that's that's been it already. That yeah, was quick. <laughs> I, I I noticed um it was going like a breeze and then I noticed I'm like, Oh, it's like ten o'clock at night, I better start wrapping things up. So I was like, Ah, oh, quickly get a couple of questions in. Um <laughs> Really, really appreciate that. That was um exceeded all my expectations. Um, really easy to talk to, um, really enjoyed every moment. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for asking, man. Like, I really um, I enjoy doing these things. It's, uh, well, it's just having a chat at home, isn't it? It's nice and easy. I'll let you go because it's late at night, but um, I really, again, appreciate all the time and uh, that you gave me. And But, yeah, thank you again. Legend, absolute legend. No worries, dude. Thank you so much. That was a lot of fun.
So that was my chat with Justine from Employed to Serve. And at the end there, you heard their track, Good for Nothing, which is off their sophomore album, The Warmth of a Dying Sun. And you also heard one of their recent singles, Force Fed, off their soon-to-be-released album, Eternal Forward Motion. Thank you so much, Justine, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So guys, this is your opportunity. If you haven't quite discovered what Employed to Serve do yet, now is the time. They've got really a stacked, stellar discography so far, and you can delve in online or at your local record store. And like we mentioned in there, and you heard at the end there, do not miss this new album, Eternal Forward Motion. It is going to be one of the albums of the year without a doubt. Thank you again, Justine. Hopefully catch up with you when you guys finally get to Australia. So that's it for the Mosh Zone episode 59. We're done. We're dusted. We're all locked up, wrapped away in the fucking can for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.